Hey, welcome back to the Obsessed Podcast. These are very, very strange times we're in. I hope that you and your family and your friends are staying safe. I hope you're taking care of yourselves. I want to make a special thank you to all of the essential workers who are still out there doing their jobs, helping us recover, helping us to make sure we have the supplies that we need. And I'm looking forward to a day when we can all go out together and have a hike and You know, maybe one day I'll be able to tolerate hiking. Anyway, I still think it's important to educate yourself about this business and the players in the business. So I'm pleased to bring you this interview with casting director Kim Swanson. Just a side note, it's obvious that we taped this conversation while we were together in the same place, but this was months ago before we had the safer at home rules. Kim is a casting director who does comedy, drama, film, TV, reenactment, commercial, reality. She pretty much runs the gambit. She also has a casting office in multiple states. This is Obsessed with casting director Kim Swanson. When we met, you were living and casting in St. Louis, Missouri. Yes. And you were thinking about moving to Los Angeles. We went out to lunch and I told you what? Oh gosh, I don't even remember. I told you don't come. (laughs) All the casting directors (laughs) I know here aren't working. Like it's saturated. Oh, that's right. And you you were like, you know what? I'm just going to put my faith in my pocket. I'm going to come. And you're turning down work. I mean, you are working all the time. Good for you. You have done scripted comedy. You have done unscripted reality, feature films. What other kind of things are, do you cast? I've done some dramas. did my haunted house and evil oh, things yeah. and things like that, you know, which was a drama series. So, yeah. So can we talk about how you got into casting? Because I know you were a performer at one time. I was. Yeah. Let's talk about it. So, you know, I always say I had a plan and God laughed. Yeah. <laughs> um, was that I, plan that you were going to become an Academy Award winning actress? No, that was never my goal. I I loved performing. I was actually a dancer, singer, actress, and dance was my real love. Mm. So my goal was to be a dancer. Um, But, you know, I was, I got married and the person I married lived in St. Louis Mm. and was based out of St. Louis for work. So we lived there and have our son and uh, the marriage didn't work. But um, so when we split, unfortunately, in the state of Missouri, you can't take your children out of state Ooh. when you get divorced. So you got kind of trapped. So I was kind of trapped in Missouri. I mean, mm. Missouri's lovely. There are right. some really wonderful people there that I adore, but it wasn't home to me. It's yeah. not where I'm from. I it wasn't. Yeah. It never felt like home. But it's also just not nice to not have an option. Right. Right. Yeah. So I was in St. Louis, and I had to figure out, you know, how to earn a living. And you know, when you live in a in a, a regional market like that people don't think of acting or performance as a real career. Mm -hmm. And basically, you know, my attorney said, you have to get a real job or, you know, if you want to keep your kids. So I got horrible jobs. I hated, I worked, (laughs) I worked in corporate finance. I worked in human resources, like all kinds of things. Just things that didn't want to wake you up in the morning. No, not at all. I'm not a cubicle person at all. You know, God bless the people can do it. I cannot, you know? Um, so I took some jobs I wasn't happy with. Um, but I missed performance. I missed dance. I missed the world of entertainment in general. 
Um, so what happened was we had a pastor at our church sent out letters saying, anyone who has any ideas to keep the lights on, you know, please send them to me. Hmm. And I thought, well, it'd be nice to teach dance a little bit, like on the weekends or something, and be able to teach my own daughter the way I think she should be taught. So I started teaching dance in our church basement. Um, the first year we had like eight kids. The second year we had 17. The next year we had like 50 something. I thought, I need to do something with this. So I opened up a storefront, had a dance studio. Um, Had you ever opened a business before? No. Wow. That's brave. No. So, you know, I was lucky though, because my dad had his own business. My dad had his own construction business for 50 years. So I grew up with a home run business, you know, so I knew Mm -hmm. what kind of work it took to make that happen and the highs and lows. I understood that to some extent. So, um, so yeah, so I opened a dance studio, it took off, did well. And then, um, at one point I needed a substitute teacher for a couple of months, was at a dance convention, met a gal who's like, I love teaching dance. I miss it. I wish I could find a place to substitute teach. I'm a producer by day. And I said, yeah. And she used to own a dance studio years prior. And I said, you know, I really need someone for a couple of months, you know, let's talk. So she came to work, uh, just filling in for a couple of months at the studio and um, while she was there, she came in in a panic one day. Oh, I'm so frustrated. You know, I, I asked a casting person in town to do this for me and they didn't send me at all what I wanted. I'm really stuck. Hey, you seem to know all the actors in town, you know, just, you know, how you are when you're in that field, you just know the people, mm-hmm. you know, and within that community. So I said, you know, who'd be great for that? My friend Renee, she just got back from LA like a year or so ago. She did really well out there, but came back here because of family tragedy. Let me give her a call. And so I called her up and she said, yeah, sure. I'll go and audition. It might be fun to kind of jump back in the saddle. She went there like, oh my gosh, she was perfect. How did you find her? I'm like, I've just known her for a long time. So about a week later, she came and she says, you really helped me out the last time. I'm really stuck this time. Do you know him? Because I said, oh, you know, he'd be great at that is Robert Reed. And, you know, Gordon can still do his aerials and stuff. So that'd be, they'd be great. And she's like, can you send them? I'm like, yeah. I said, I'm like, oh my God, they're amazing. We love them. And then about a week later, she called me again. Hey, I'm really stuck. I said, you know, he'd be good for that. <laughs> you know. So long story short, she said, you really should go into casting. And I said, mm-hmm. I don't know anything about casting. And she said, yeah, actually you do. And I said, no, nah, I don't really, but I'll help you whenever you need help. Well, lo and behold, those projects all won local Emmys. Mm, wow. So they play the winning spots. Other producers, directors approached her, you know, how did you find this talent? Did you get them out of Chicago? Did you fly to LA to shoot that? She's like, no, they're all St. Louis locals. And they're like, wait, what? We've never seen these people at our auditions. Like, how did you find them? She said, my friend Kim found them for me. And they're like, is this a new casting person in town? And she said, well, she is, but she doesn't know it yet. Mm-hmm. So, so what happened then was I started getting calls from producers and directors saying, hey, can you help me with the project? I hear you're a casting director. And I said, I'm not a casting director, but I'll help you. And they said, that's what she said. You'd say, call yourself whatever you want. Just help me out because you're good at this. So and I, it, when at this point, because mm-hmm. you were doing a favor for your friend. But mm-hmm. when these strangers were saying, hey, mm-hmm. call yourself whatever you want, mm-hmm. just as long as you help mm-hmm. me, were they saying... I, I, I want to pay you for this? Or yes. were you just like, I know it's fun, I'm going to do it for no, free? No, no, they they offered me money up front nice. to do it and more money than I thought I was worth, yeah. honestly. But I'm like, okay, I mean, I had kids to feed, so yeah, why not, totally. you know? So, so that's how that got started. So after I did that for a couple of years and I had some pretty good success with it, mm-hmm. I was casting a lot of toy commercials. There are several toy companies who were working out of St. Louis. There was Build-A-Bear Workshop. There was Trendmaster Toys and all kinds of big companies. So I was doing a lot of toy commercials and kids were kind of my forte because I taught dance for so long. Um, And I had kids. So, you know, it was a good fit for me initially. Um, I thought, I really need 
to learn how to do this the right way. And this is all before the internet, of right, course, yeah. you know? So I found a book and it was interviews with about a hundred different casting directors, like two or three pages of, you know, interviews. So I read them all. I found like 10 casting directors that I resonated with some way, you know? Um, for example, either they went into casting as a second career or they were a single mom or, you know, something along that line, or they came from the Midwest. Mm -hmm. so, and I sat down and I typed up letters to all of them and I said, hey, I'm coming to Los Angeles. Um, you know, I've been casting in the Midwest. I really want to learn how a casting office works. I've been on the other side of the camera before, but I want to learn, you know, I will, you know, come, I will staple sides for you. I will file headshots, whatever you need. Just let me observe how your office runs for a couple of days. Right. And I had a couple people said, sure, you know, I'd be happy to have you for a day. And I thought, oh, shoot, now I really have to get a plane ticket. <laughs> oh, so then I scurried and got a plane ticket to come to L.A. And um, one of the people that was so insanely gracious was Ronnie Yeskel. Hmm. And um, I sat in her office the first day and I was like, can I just what is it you want from me? And I'm like, I don't really want anything from you. I just want to absorb how your office works and how, you know, like how you how you do things so I can make sure I'm learning it the right way. And so she said, um, would you like to come to a producer session tomorrow? And I was like, what? Well, I was yeah, kind of so, because I'm like, yeah. yeah, of course I do. The next day was also the day I was leaving. So I only had the morning available. Um, I said, I would love to. She said, well, let me call my client and see if, you know, my producer and see if that's okay with them if you sit in. And Ronnie does these huge projects. Oh, right? she's so amazing. You, it was probably something big and you're like, oh my gosh, I know that person. It was. Yeah. So I didn't know where I was going. And of course, this is again before cell phones and things. So she right. was kind of, she left me a message at my hotel with an address of where to go and what time. So the next morning I got a cab and I, you know, no Uber or anything, you know, and I went to this location and I got out and I went in. And it was Larry David's office. Wow. It was one of the first sessions for Curb Your Enthusiasm. No way. Yes. Wow. It was amazing. I and bet. Ronnie was so incredible. First of all, she was so gracious and open. I was afraid to speak. And she's like, no, 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 go ahead. Like she was so encouraging and kind and just such a good human. Mm -hmm. And Larry David couldn't have been any more lovely as well. And the actors that, of course, that Ronnie were able to get in the room were just off the charts, amazing. And I thought, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is yeah. this is where I'm supposed to be. I love actors. I love acting. I love that process. But I'm. But this is a new aspect of that process I hadn't really been introduced to before that day. And I'm like, yes, this is this is it. This is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. So um, I left and went back to St. Louis, and um, you know, all enthused and thought, okay, now I have a sense of what I'm doing. And and it was so good because Ronnie, in all of her graciousness, like she taught me so many little things that I don't think she realizes she taught me, you know, about how casting is such a team sport. You know, um, when you get in your head as a casting director, you think, oh, it has to be the people I bring to the table, like what, what I want, you mm -hmm. know, and kind of get that um, ridiculous laser vision instead of being open and listening and how she would listen to Larry David and kind of like ex absorbing everything he was saying to figure out other directions she could go with things and, you know, taking in everything. It was it was very empowering for me. You know, because I felt like in St. Louis, I was always worried that am I not bringing enough people or does it is it bad that the client had to suggest some people for me? You know, I'm like, no, this is this is how this works. It really is a team sport. So it was very empowering to see all those things and how she operated. She was she was has no idea. I'm sure what a catalyst she was for me. That's so good to have somebody like that guiding mm -hmm. the way, mm -hmm. even if 
they don't know that's what they're doing. I, I have people in the business who, like Pam Dixon did that for me. Mm-hmm. I, I've learned so much just having conversations with. Mm-hmm. So you're back in Missouri. Have you now changed your storefront to a casting office? Not really. Um, <laughs> the strange thing is, is that I guess lucky thing more than strange was that, you know, of course, a dance studio operates evenings and weekends. It's open all day mm-hmm. during the day. So and of course, it's such a small market. It can't really support a casting director and storefront full time, you know, so clients would call me and say, well, we can, you know, have session here during the day, but we have to be done by 430 when the kids come in yeah. for dance <laughs> class. And you're like, okay, because they weren't having to come up with yeah. the space. And, you know, in a, in regional markets, there are a lot of resources that regional casting directors don't have that we have in the big markets. You know, there is no cast in Hollywood space where you can go rent space by the hour mm-hmm. and they have lights and things, you know, there, there was no, you know, uh, LA casting or casting networks or um, breakdown services rep there who could help you. Right. There was no equipment there for you. You had to do it all on your own. So, you know, like in, in the big markets, you get equipment from these these uh, different companies and they provide you or your producer pr- pr- provides a space and equipment. Mm-hmm. When you're in a regional market, you have to go buy all that yourself and you're making less money. Yeah. So it really takes a chunk out. So, um, so you have to learn a lot about lighting and I bet. and cameras because you and were still even though it was like pre-internet or dawn of internet, mm-hmm. you were still having to put people on tape. Oh yeah! Oh my gosh! We used to <laughs> my first camera had the VHS tape in oh, it. Oh my god! <laughs> so, right? <laughs> yeah. so you would you would cast and you would put them on this VHS tape and take the VHS tape out and pop it in the VHS player, right? Um, but you only had the one. You couldn't make duplicates of it. So if it if anything happened to it, you were so up a creek. Oh, I bet. You know? And I bet things happened to it. Oh, I yeah. bet you were up a creek quite a couple times. Not thankfully, I got really lucky. Okay, good. But but then you're like you're rushing because like a lot of times your clients are New York or L.A. in commercial world, or or maybe you've got like the directors in L.A., the production companies in New York, and the. Um, the end clients in Chicago. So now you've got to send off, you know, via FedEx, like you're done at like 545. Mm -hmm. You're racing to the airport to FedEx to send off these sets of things of, you know, headshots and resumes and notes and like everything had to be all organized and spreadsheets like there's no tomorrow and things because that's what they had to work with and look at to make decisions. So I, I spent a lot of time gripping the steering wheel, praying I made it for the last FedEx take yeah, in time. I can imagine. <laughs> now, how did you introduce yourself to the local agencies if you went through them for actors? Or did you go canvas the streets looking for actors? A little bit of everything. You know, um, a couple agents were not welcoming because they were like, oh, great. Another person thinks they're a casting director who doesn't know what they're doing, you know. And I don't blame them. I get that, you know. Um but there were some agents that welcomed me open-armed. You know, the, what happened for me was because I knew so many actors um, and I would reach out to them because there wasn't like any kind of system mm-hmm. to know who anybody was rep by. If you knew the actor, if I knew Seth Colton, for example, I'd say, hey, Seth, you know, are you available for the shoot? You know, do you have an agent? And then I'd call the agent and say, hey, I, I know Seth. I talked to him. He's interested. You know, can we work something out for this? So you got to know the agents because you already knew the talent first as opposed to the other way around. Got it. Now, so. did you have that same experience when you transitioned to Los Angeles, having to reintroduce yourself? Now that you're established mm-hmm. in Missouri, mm-hmm. into a completely different market here where people are like, well, I don't know you, so I'm not going to send you my A-list actors? Or was it much more welcoming here because it's an industry town? It's kind of a combination. You know, um, 
just like a casting director, there are very, very established casting directors and some that are newer like me, same with agents and managers. So the newer agents, managers were very welcoming because they wanted casting directors willing to work with them, you know, and then some of the bigger places, you know, which I won't say, but, you know, got a little snobbish and like, we Mm -hmm. don't need to talk to you, you know, Um, so they were a little harder to break through. But I also got very lucky because before I came out here, I become a member of CSA. And at that time, I was one of the first 11 CSA members who were not in New York or LA. Mm. And we would send out, this is, you know, again, before things were quite as automated, but there was an email blast list. So if you had a question, CSA would automatically blast that question out to everybody in CSA, and they could respond to you. Mm. And one time I was doing uh, a little project in Ohio, and I wasn't finding agents and managers and people there. I wasn't finding resources in general, um, even through their film office at the time. This is a long time ago. They've changed a lot. But at that time, there wasn't much. So I sent out, has anyone ha- had any contacts or any resources in Ohio? And a casting director reached out to me and said, I don't know any there, but I hear there's a really terrific gal that's in St. Louis that's a member. Oh, really? That's so <laughs> and I'm funny. like, well, that would be me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, I was really glad to hear that it was a good reputation. And so we hit it off. We started talking back and forth. And that lovely person was Deb Barilski, who was originally from St. Louis, but she oh, never wow. cast there. So we became friends because of that St. Louis connection. So when I would come out to L.A. for meetings and so forth, I would often stay at Deb's house and she opened her home up to me, which was just wonderful. And so like I would go to meetings and things and she would drive and I didn't feel like I was walking into something on my own. Mm -hmm. And Deb Mm -hmm. at the time was doing major network TV shows. Big, big, big. Mm -hmm. She has a resume that most casting directors would kill to have, you know, and she's earned it. Believe Mm me. Um, So it was great for me, though, because then when I came here and I was looking for work, she was actually the person who stuck her neck out and called another casting director who she'd given her first job to and said, hey, this gal needs a first job. Somebody's got to give her a gig. You have an assistant position open. You, you know, just give it to her. Mm-hmm. And the, so the gal said, well, you know what? Because you said so, I'll bring her in. And of course, her fear is, you don't know the agents. I'm like, no, I do, because we still deal with those same agents in St. Louis, yeah. you know? So I got in the door with that and then got moved up to associate with that. And, um, but then, you know things just kind of twist and turn and take you where you're supposed to go. But I did end up working with Deb on a couple of projects. Um, I think like three different projects over the time and where we were able to work together. And so le- that was so lucky for me because I was able to parlay saying it's Deb Barilski and I. Yeah. And so it got me in the door and people thought, oh, she must be pretty good because she's working with Deb Barilski. Awesome. You know, yeah. so that was helpful for me. I think, you know, I just got lucky in, in finding my tribe, you know, I, again, you know, I think, you know, the, the universe guided it for me. And does L.A. feel like home now? It does. Oh, good. It does. You know, I really, the, actually, you know, when the first couple of weeks I was here, it felt like home. You know, I felt like when I drove down a street, like it felt so familiar and yeah. so right, even though I'd never been there before. So I just always felt like this is where I was supposed to be. Awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think that's clearly the truth because your work is outstanding and I should know I mean you have so much integrity not only are we friends but I sometimes work for you so I know what it's like in your casting office and you care so much for the actors that are coming in can we talk about your love for actors and and what has kept you in casting all these years what do you still like about it you know I just I think most casting directors well I shouldn't say most but many many casting directors like me like the best part of our 
whole job are those session days when you get to be in the room with actors. I love it. You know, when you find that person who finds something new in a scene, a little nuance, and they just own it and you can just you feel that they're in that moment. It's just so invigorating. You're like, yes, you know, and I love reading with the actors because you can get a sense of their intent. Like you get a much better sense of it as opposed to having a reader. Mm -hmm. I find I like to read with them. Um, And I think that's just because I was an actor first. I enjoy that. But it also helps me get a sense of their ability to be pliable. Um, which is really fun too. And, you know, I take acting classes still weekly. Really? Yeah. I think it's, I personally think every casting director should take, you know, on a regular basis, take some classes because it reminds you what it feels like to have to memorize, Mm -hmm. to get up and do a scene that's not really in your comfort level. It's not really your quote unquote type, but like your agent sent you anyway, you can do it. I know you can, you know, Um, I think it's, it just reminds you what it feels like and it helps you remember what to do and not do when you direct you know that is so impressive i hadn't thought about that before Mm -hmm. i remember a long time ago michael sanford told me he was taking some classes but nobody in the class knew who he was yeah i I use a different name do you really yeah i use a different name and do you get nervous when it's your turn to perform no no i don't i love it it's it's fun because i get that creative outlet Mm -hmm. um but uh you know so it's good um and and I the, the teacher I, I love my teacher I love my acting you know I I, I will tell you I go to Brian Cutler's acting. oh yeah, yeah I know Brian yeah I Brian's, know through you yes he's, he's from Missouri but no he lived in Missouri for a little while but okay. he's from here he has a resume that most yeah. actors would kill to have too yeah. he's a wonderful acting coach so I do really love his studio and I love what it's in Burbank does. it's in Burbank yes he's Got terrific um, you have a group we're gonna get back to your love of mm-hmm. actors but this is going in with that topic because you have a group or that you're a part of right called M.O. in L.A. Yes. Missouri in Los Angeles. Yes. And tell me about the group, who's involved, how you got started with that. Oh, my gosh. It's such a funny story. So, of course, you know, when actors come in the room, no matter how excited you are to have them, they're always a nervous wreck. I mean, that's just Mm -hmm. par for the course. And so you're always trying to help them relax a little bit. So my usual question, of course, is where are you from originally? Because no one is from L.A. Right, yeah, I've noticed <laughs> you know? that. And um, so one day I was having session, and uh, what a girl came in. I said, where are you from? She said, I'm from St. Louis. I'm like, really? Wow, you know, how long have you been out here? She's like, I just got here like six months ago. I said, great, did you come out with some friends? No, I don't know anybody here. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. I know some younger actors in your age range from St. Louis. If you want, I'll try and connect you. If you, if you feel comfortable with me giving you um, giving them your phone number and things. Oh my gosh, that'd be great. So she gave her audition. She left the room. Next girl comes in and said, where are you from? She said, St. Louis. I'm like, get out. <laughs> so did, did you talk to the girl who was just here? She's like, no. And I said, she's from, she goes, oh man, I wish I had. I don't know anybody from St. Louis. And I'm like, well, she wants to connect with people. So I'll connect you. I said, oh, that'd be great. Next girl comes in. Where are you from? St. Louis. No way. I'm like three in a row. Okay, God, you're try- I know I'm yeah. supposed to do something with this. I don't know what. So um, I talked to my friend Brian, who had lived in Kansas City for a while and had an acting school there for a hot minute too. And I said, you know, there seem to be a lot of people from Missouri who are just kind of floundering and on their own and they need a tribe. And I think we should try and put this together. I said, sure, you can use my studio space. So I sent out an email blast and, you know, put a Facebook post out, look, you know, to people I knew who were from Missouri and so forth. And we're going to do this little thing. I don't know what we're going to do with it. But, um, you know, if you want to come, it was like a little Sunday afternoon, like snacks and drinks. Yeah. Kind of, you know. And we thought we'd have maybe 15, 20 people show up. I think we had like 34 show <laughs> wow. up. Yeah. And but everybody came and said, oh, well, I also have another friend. I like, you know. 
So now there are, I think, about 250, 300 people in the group. Wow. Yeah. Do you guys still get together? We do. So they just did it. We just did an event at Howl at the, the Moon a couple of months ago, and just a little fun event. But we also did a um, an actor showcase. I was just going to ask you about mm-hmm. that, because I remember you did that for a while, and you mm-hmm. were having uh, that the actors come in they could perform for industry people right it was yeah the only people invited to attend are agents managers and casting directors and it's not one of those where bring your friends and fill the seats kind of thing it's actual you know people can further their career and we've been very lucky because it ends up being you know filled house every night yeah um because it's an actual it's a film industry event it's not the actors aren't on a stage it's more like what we need when I see a, a, an actor, I need to know, can you act for a film? Not can you walk across the stage with a cup, a cup of coffee? Got it. I need to see how you are on camera. And so that's the way that's designed okay, to be. Okay, let, let's be honest about this for a second. Suppose I want to be part of the group and I'm not from Missouri, but can can I just say like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm from Missouri? Or do you, is there like... Do you check? Do you say, okay, what's the capital of... There's there's an actual process. Is really? <laughs> yes, there is. Um, and in part because we do have some really amazing casting directors in the group mm-hmm. and we have some terrific ma- managers and agents who are from St. Louis, Missouri wow. as well. Um, so we just don't want it to be that thing where every actor just comes because they want to get right. in that room. Yeah. So it sounds like a good room to be in. Yeah, it really has been a really good room yeah. to be in. You know, we have some producers and directors and lighting and makeup and wardrobe, you know, a little of everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so we have a little process. You have to, you go through the Facebook page and you have to answer certain questions and, and, uh, usually you have to know somebody to get in the group. It's very exclusive. It's cool. <laughs> well, you're also, you're just such a genuine person. I mean, like when I, I want to say, because I've gone to some of your parties mm-hmm. that I love, when I say that it could sound like we're talking like, Oh, really fancy at, at some, <laughs> you know, fantastic bar. With if pe- only waiters. they knew. Yeah, no, we're just kicking it in the yard, eating yep. barbecue. Yep. Like, guess what I love? You have a way of making everybody feel at home, which I think translates to your audition room because you run such a comfortable room. Oh, that's so sweet of you to say. Thank you. I'm sure you've heard that before. Well, a lot from you. Oh. <laughs> that's funny. Um, some of the, the things that you're casting are recreation shows. Like I have cast some of this, yeah. Mm-hmm. A scene. And for those, oftentimes you're finding newer actors. Yes. And then there are shows that you do that are scripted and on, on network. Is it a very different vibe when you're seeing actors who have been in the business for a long time versus people who, you know, are kind of new to it? Yes and no. I think, you know, it really depends on the individual. Some people just lose their zest for it. I mm-hmm. really like newer actors because they're so excited to be in a room you know they're so grateful for the opportunity you know um and then there are some who come in and they're grateful but they don't know what to do with that gratitude they don't know how to prepare they haven't really studied you know or like you find something on their resume especially if it's a recreation and you need to find someone who specifically looks like someone in history and Mm -hmm. you know in a, a historical situation whether it's famous or not doesn't make any difference you still have to match a living person at some point you know Um, so a lot of times you get brought in because you are similar in some way to that person we're trying to match. So you may not have to have necessarily a big resume, but it might be a really difficult look to, to, Mm -hmm. to, um, coordinate with. So if we find somebody, Oh, I have a great look. Let's, let's give them it. Let's bring them, let's give them a shot. So I enjoy that because actors who don't get shots usually because they don't have a big resume can have a shot at something and I can be a part of helping them build that resume so they can get in other rooms too. And that's a, that's a really cool thing for me. Yeah. Um, but then there are actors who are just 
there are certain actors that you bring back again and again because you know every time they walk in the room they are prepared they're on it they'll take direction they're lovely to be with they're just they're gracious to my assistants you know yeah. that i mean all of that means a lot so you do bring them back again and again i will not forget one time i was working in your casting office i don't remember what the project was but you had rented the office maybe for like three hours when we were just coming in at three hours and an actress came in frantic. Um, she was a little bit late, but it turned out her agent had given her that appointment time. And it was, you you either had a choice to stay and let her perform and pay for another hour at the place mm-hmm. or say, no, this is not appropriate because it's not the appointment I gave you. And you were so gracious to her, even though I know that inside you were feeling like, this is going to cost me. This isn't. This isn't considerate of my time for the agent to do this, but you did it because you could see that she wanted to perform, and it wasn't fair to her either. I I remember that moment because it meant so much to me as an actor to see what you were willing to go through to let her show you who she was. Do you remember um, what I'm talking about? I do vaguely. Remember. I will say there have been times people have come like that when I didn't let them do it. You know, mm-hmm. but it's usually about their attitude. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a guy like at one point I'd packed up, like all the equipment was packed up. I'm carrying things out to my car and he comes rushing in. Well, you know, where why where, where are you going? I'm here for my appointment. I'm like Ooh. I'm like, Well, your appointment was three hours ago. Yeah. You know? And he's like, Yeah, but I'm here now and I'm like, but I'm leaving now. Good. You know? And I he, totally get the difference. Yeah. And he was he was a little miffed that I wasn't willing to stay for him and go back, unlock the studio door, reset up all my equipment and all that, you know. And I felt bad. Yeah, he probably drove a bit to get there, but had had he sent a an email, a phone call, anything saying, I'm so sorry, I'm on my way. You know, or if he'd said, if there's any way you can still see me, that'd be great. If you can't, I understand too. I probably would have said, let's go back in, let's get you set up. Yeah. You totally. know, but it's the attitude, right. you know. Um and have you ever had an actor crash your audition session? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and what? how do you deal with that? I just say, I'm, you're not on my schedule. Got it. Yeah. Um, I, you know, for me, it's, a, it's not just a matter of respecting me. It's respecting your fellow actors. Mm-hmm. I do run sessions a little bit different than most people because I don't even do a sign-in sheet. I do. I go according to the schedule, and we ah, stay on schedule. So I have my right. I have my schedule out there, and I go according to schedule. So if someone comes in an hour early, they're not going to get in an hour early. Um, that is different. Is yeah. there a reason? Is it because you've scheduled people at a certain time slot because you wanted to see them perform after somebody no, else? It's because for me, it's because if as an actor, if I give you, let's say, your appointment time is eleven a.m. right, and someone comes in forty five minutes early. Um, and they're there at 1045 and then somebody else comes in an hour early and they're there at 1045 and somebody else comes in a half hour early and they're there at 1045 and I let them go first. You're not getting your audition until 1130 or 1145 because other people chose to take it upon themselves to come early because they wanted to be seen at a time that they weren't assigned uh-huh. to. And I don't think that's fair to you. And I think it's disrespectful to your fellow actors to assume that they can all rearrange their schedule because you wanted to rearrange your own mm-hmm. without asking. And I always say when I send out on a schedule, if you need a different time, please just send me an email back and I will work around it best I can. So had that person who was scheduled for 1130 really wanted to come at 1045, if they'd sent me an email saying, hey, can I come at 1045 instead? I've got to be somewhere else. I would have like worked to massage the schedule a little bit to make it happen without creating issues for the next 10 actors who are going to come that they're going to back up. Got it. You know, it's it's a, it's a respect for the fellow actor more so than for me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's right to expect someone else to sit in the waiting room because you decided 
you should come earlier mm-hmm. or you should come later. So I should just go ahead and see you. They came at their time. They're going to be seen at their time. Now, how do you feel about an actor who comes in nervous, does their thing, but the nerves, you know, really bleed through, even mm-hmm. if you try to redirect them, it, yep. it, it's just not the right time in their career. How long is your memory for that before you give the actor another chance to say, Let, let's see if they've improved? First of all, we all have bad days. Like, yeah. I don't know what happened to you on the way to the audition. You may be a wonderful actor, but you got a flat tire. Um, your cat went to the vet this morning. Mom called because grandma has going to the hospital. I don't know what is going on in your world that can get in your head and ruin your ability to give me a good performance today. So my general rule is, if, like, if you come across again, there was something about you I liked or I wouldn't have brought you in the room in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I will give you a second try when something else comes up that you're right for. I'll automatically bring you in a second time. Awesome. Um, but if, if that's bad again, then I'll just make a note. Usually my note is just not ready yet. Mm-hmm. See again in a year, something like that, or see again in six months, you know, if I, depending on where they are, you know. Um, but I would never, for me, I don't think it's helpful to tell an actor, look, you did a bad job. First of all, if you do a bad job, you know it. Right, right. <laughs> you know it. You right. know when you bomb it. You can feel it to your core. And, you know, it's that's not my place. The fact that you came in this room and you made yourself vulnerable and and you're putting all of your abilities on the line in front of someone who has some, some part of the decision, whether you're moving forward or not, mm-hmm. you know, that takes guts and it takes heart to do that. And I'm going to be the last person to say you failed because the fact that you got in the room and that you gave it your best shot, you already succeeded at something and you keep doing that over and over and over again. You're eventually going to get results. You're going to get better. You're going to get more comfortable. Perfect. I love that. So I know that you are working on a bunch of commercials or internet commercials that feature kids doing Disney princess type of things. And sometimes when you're casting kids, they're so stuck because they've been taught that they have to speak a certain way and it's very unrealistic of how, oh, how people talk. Drives me insane. How do you get around that? You know, <laughs> I usually don't provide scripts for kids in advance, hmm. like for something like oh, that. Oh, so they can't get coached and stuck in their head. Right. Got it. Right. Um, we recently did a project and it was, I, I, in fact, I need to call a couple agents and say, what were you doing? No. Hmm. Because the it was a callback and they said, here are some talking points that kids are going to need to talk about, but we don't want things rehearsed. And it said that on the information that went like as a side. And then I said it in the, the original um, audition notice of, you know, the schedule, whatever you do, do not rehearse your children on this because we will tell and it will eliminate them from consideration. Hmm. Then I sent an additional email saying, I just want to reiterate, do not coach, like all in caps, do not coach your child on this. It will ruin their chances. I guarantee it. You know, this is what we do for a living. We can <laughs> we can spot it the moment they walk in the and room. And please read this notice. Right. And by golly, half the kids came in so scripted, saying words that there's no way a six-year-old yeah. would ever use with their little hands on their hips at the right spot right. and yeah. crossing their arms at the right spot, you know, the home alone, hands on your face kind of stuff, you know. And the director's just like shaking their head. And I'm like, you know, they're told three times, specifically not to do this Mm -hmm. but then that also reveals something to us we have parents who think they know more about film production and directing their child than we do Mm -hmm. and that's going to be a problem on set so so it does reveal that to us so we can eliminate 
the parents who were an issue. The kids might have been great. But now we know the parents were an issue because they felt the need to, to dis, uh, right. disregard what we were telling them. So, But you were able to find some that, that were just They're themselves. Great. Totally great, yeah. I think that's sort of a, a big way the business is going now. They're you know looking for real people versus the perfect actor, mm-hmm. or I should say the perfect model human right, being. Right. Well, I think it's it comes from the whole push for inclusion, you know? It used to be, you know, every female on camera was blonde and blue-eyed in a size zero or two, you know, and not a wrinkle on them. And, you know, they had that beach girl look to them and there was nothing else, you know. But now, you know, we're embracing. We're embracing that we are not all size zero, two, blonde, blue eyes, you know, that that everything can be beautiful in its own way. I love that. You know, and that's I think, so good. yeah, I think that that's, um, I think that's really driven. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a really good thing for casting, but I also think casting directors have driven to that to some extent. You know, I think, I, I feel like a lot of casting directors have been responsible for helping that happen. By having the conversation with their producers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've had conversations with, you know, why, why does this detective need to be a man? Is there a reason why it has to be a man? Is it historical? Was this actually mm-hmm. a man in real life that we're trying to match? Or does it really matter? Because this can be a really cool role for like a kick-ass woman. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or I can say, you know, what about this role? Does it need to be Caucasian? Or, you know, or does that one need to be African-American necessarily? Like, unless it's a historical thing, not necessarily so. So because in our world, you know, everyone has different careers, different backgrounds, different relationships, you know, different bodies, different looks. And so when you mimic that, it becomes more realistic for the audience to watch mm-hmm. too. I'm trying to figure out the right way to bring this up. You were just nominated for the an Ardios Award for Intervention, which is not a show with actors. Correct. It is oftentimes a hard show to watch yes. because it's so real and you see these people's mm-hmm. lives. What is it like for you who is not only finding the people that we're going to document on the show, but following their journey. I mean, how do you, if you're doing a, a scripted comedy, yeah, you can leave it home after the auditions mm-hmm. and you know you're, the next day you're going to pick it mm-hmm. up. How do you let something like that, that's so deep and painful, go? Um, well, I think a lot of it is the fact that I'm not, you know, 22 anymore. You know, I'm I'm mm-hmm. older, and I think that there's something to be said for age. You know, having some wisdom with it. Um, I, for me, the biggest well, there were two aspects for me. One, I had an amazing casting team working under me. I mean, the the gals that I had on our team were just all remarkable human beings, mm. um, and for the most part, like they really cheered each other on, helped each other, encouraged each other, listened to each other, you know, and, you know, of course I always keep an open door policy. So if, if they had an upsetting situation, they could always come in and I had, sometimes they come and cry, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but they were just amazing human beings who their hearts were all in the right place, you know? So that helped me because I knew that everyone they were talking to was being spoken to from a point of love. Good. you know, and kindness and, and true respect of you're a human being and you deserve better than this, you know? Um, so that was part of it for me. But for me, the biggest part was my faith. I always, you know, as I always say, mm-hmm. and you've heard me say before, I'm not a person of great religion, but I'm a person of very great faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 
you know, there was one of my casting producers came in and she was really upset and she didn't want to let a story go, but we had to, and I can't get the reasons why, but we had to not produce that one. And she was really upset about it and she was really trying to hang on to it. And I had to say, look, you, you did your part. You helped open their eyes to, to potentially go get help, but you're not their angel this time, but you have to let them go. So they're not tied to you so mm. they can go find their real angel. Mm. Wow. You know, yeah. you were a catalyst for them which is an important thing to be in someone's life. But this time you're not their angel, you know, and God did not put you in charge of saving all of them. Mm. That's not, that's not what he did by giving you this position right now. So for me, you know, God said, there are some certain souls that you all can help and I'm going to help lead you to them. But if you're hanging on to this one that we're, that's not our job right now, you don't have time to look for the one God has in, intended for yeah. you to find for us. So we have to go find that person now so we can do what our goal right. really is. Right. And I think the show is so important and powerful. It's I mean, an amazing show. When I say gritty and hard to watch, it's because, again, this, these people's struggles and what it's done to the family. But with the result being, for most of the time, they're getting help that they so desperately need and the family gets healing. I mean, I don't know any other show that does that. It's, it really does change lives. You know, yeah. at the same time, like we had, I had a dad call me who had lost his son mm. to addiction and he had submitted him a year prior when I wasn't on the show, uh, to be on the show and they weren't able to produce his story for whatever reason. It could be a multitude of reasons. Sometimes it's out of safety because we don't want to risk them overdosing and being a part, you know, mm -hmm. like it, being a part of creating that, you know, but, um, I don't know if that was the case this time, but the dad called and managed to get through to me somehow. And he just yelled and screamed and was so angry, you know, that it was our fault that his son died. Uh, uh. And, you know, if, if you were if you were more concerned with actually helping people instead of ratings, you know, my son would be alive today. But because <sighs> because you're more interested in money and, you know, but as he was talking, like this little light bulb went off in my head that this is a grieving parent, mm -hmm. you know, and there are different stages of grief. And one is anger. And he was clearly stuck in that stage and needed to be angry at someone and needed someone to hear that hmm. and allow him to be angry or he was never going to get to move on to the next wow. stage. And I couldn't gift him his son's life back, but I could gift him that ability to help him through his stage of grief. You were such a good person. Well, <laughs> I would have been like, wrong, wrong person, dude. <laughs> no, but you know, I mean, as a mom, yeah. like I'm so lucky that I haven't had to face that with my kids. My kids are healthy and they, I mean, they're not addicts. I can't imagine how different my life would be had either of them taken that turn. Mm -hmm. I'm so lucky that I didn't have to deal with that every day, day in, day out. Yeah, I can't imagine. And I didn't have to watch my child die. I don't have to watch them overdose. I don't have to give them Narcan to bring them back to life. I don't have to go to bed every night wondering if when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to hear they were, they're dead. You know, I can't imagine what that's like as a parent. And I would hope that God forbid anything like that happen with my kids, that the universe would surround me with people who would help me through that. Yeah. Oh, you're so, I love you. <laughs> love you too. You're so sensitive. I mean, in a good way. Oh, thank you. Do you still have time to see actors outside of an audition setting? Do you ever do general interviews? I know it's getting harder and harder. Not nearly as much as I would like to, you know. Um, 
I wish I did more. I do, you know, I not so much generals, but I do go to comedy clubs. I do go to plays. I went to an improv performance a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. on a Saturday night. It was just, you know, uh, young actors who don't have a name yet, who are just building their resume, who are just getting started, sat and and watched them to see. I thought, oh, yeah, this person has potential worth keeping an eye on this person, this person, that kind of thing. So so I do go to events like that where I'll see a multitude of actors in one fail swoop as opposed to, one meeting with one actor. Yeah. You know, I'm sure after hearing this interview, there's going to be tons of actors who'd be like, I love her. I have to meet her somehow. <laughs> Do you accept postcards if somebody wants to just say, Hey, listen, I listened to you. It was so great to hear what you had to say. Or is that like nobody checks no, postcards I, you anymore? You know, I do. And I always tell actors, not necessarily for me, but to send them out with a picture of yourself on yeah. it, you know, because it's it's a, it's a marketing tool and you have to know how to market yourself. And that's the thing is someone can study to be an actor, but never, you know, find their footing as an actor because they don't know how to market themselves, right. you know. And I know that even like with thank you notes and things, there are some casting directors who say, oh, don't send those. That's a waste of time. I'm like, but have you ever gotten a thank you note? You thought, oh, man, I wish they didn't think of me like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But I feel the same thing about with, with postcards and, you know, inviting me to like if you have a performance or something and you have a couple of industry tickets available, you know, if you send them to me, if I don't have anything going on, I'd say, sure, I'll go, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have a I did have an actress reach out to me and wanted me to come see at this dinner theater thing. And I said, well, let me look at the dates and things. And I looked at it and I realized how crazy the tickets were super expensive, like $150 a ticket. And she was going to give me two. And I said, are you being gifted these? Like, are these comp tickets for you? And she said, no, no, but I want you to come. I said, no, no, you are not spending $300 for me to come see you. I don't feel good with that. Yeah. So do me a favor. Send me your reels. Send me your materials. I'll be happy to look those over. And, you know, and I would love to bring you in the room for something else. The fact that you wanted to do that is lovely, but I would feel so uncomfortable if an actor spent money like that for me to come see them. See, now you guys know why I love Kim so much. I mean, she's just <laughs> great. Is there anything that you would like to leave out there for the listeners who, you know, there's nine of them, but some of them are actors, some of them are casting directors, right. and some of them are right. talent reps? Right. You know, I think the, the best thing is to remember that what's in your heart what you, what you feel in your heart that you want to do, for me, that's God's way of telling you what you're supposed to be doing. Mm, I love it. And I think that, you know, as you mentioned earlier, when I came out to LA and you're like, don't come, don't come, there's no work. And I'm yeah. like, but my heart's telling me I'm supposed to be here and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm going to do it, you know? And, you know, I came out here with like almost no money because mm-hmm. it was right after the recession, everything had tanked and like I had like nothing to my name at that your point. your car broke down. Oh, my car broke down on the way here. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a crazy story. But, um... You know, but I believed this is where I was supposed to be. And I knew that if I if I was willing to take that leap of faith, you know, that that something good would come of it. Maybe not the path I was envisioning, but there was a path and you just have to get on it. Mm. You know, so you may feel discouraged. You may feel frustrated. But if you're doing what's in your heart, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And the other thing I always like to tell people, too, is don't forget sometimes you're just being gifted your story. You know, some like we think about if someone is on The Tonight Show, for example, you know, any kind of those the circuits when they're talking about their big projects and they're a big star. No one wants to hear the story of. So tell me how how it was for you coming up in acting. Oh, my gosh, it was so easy. I got to L.A. and the first week I was here, I got booked as a series regular. It's just been so great. And, you know, I was so lucky. I grew up in a wealthy family and, you know, I'm just so lucky. My first apartment was great. It was only four bedrooms with a pool. But now I haven't, you know, like no one wants to hear that story. Because it doesn't inspire anyone. So 
sometimes you're being gifted a story so that later on the universe can utilize that to inspire someone else. What a great way to think about it. So when you're having those hard times, if you're, you're li- struggling, yeah. right, you're struggling. If you have to live in your car a couple nights, if you, you know, you have those days, you're like, I don't have money to eat. I'm have to wait for my unemployment to show up next week, you know, but I can do it. I'll get the free coffee at work or whatever. You know, those stories inspire others because they go, you know what? You were able to buckle down. You saw yourself through it. You pulled yourself up by your bootstraps and look at you now. If you can do it, I can too. That's what you're being gifted sometimes. Yeah. It's it's not about the destination. It's about the story you're going to tell when you reach that destination. I love it. That was great. Thank you, Kim. Thank you so much for your time and being you and actors who are listening. I hope and I feel very confident at some point you will get to audition for Miss Kim Swanson. Oh, thank you. I love you, Seth. I love you too. <laughs> and there we have it. Another great episode. Thanks to our guests for being so generous. Thanks to you for listening and being a part of this community. This has been brought to you by Obsessed.com. Please check it out for fun videos and updates. And don't forget to find something that you're obsessed with.